Hello, everybody. This is your host, Savannah Beck, and this is Slow Burn, a book podcast for slow readers. As we talked about last episode, I've been trying to reignite my passion for reading for a while now, and so I started this podcast to work my way through it. Last episode, I spoke with a very good friend of mine who reads more than anyone else I know. This week, I'm really excited because I'm being joined by Sharday Powell of Loyalty Bookstore, which is a local bookstore with a couple of locations in the DMV area, one of which is about a 15-minute walk from my home in Petworth. And so for me, the dream was always to have a good coffee shop, a grocery store, and a local bookstore right within walking distance from my home. So obviously, I'm a huge fan of loyalty, and they're getting me one step closer to my dream. Moving on to what we'll be talking about this episode, as a completionist with a short attention span, one of the first criteria I often take into consideration when I'm picking my next read is page count. I rarely pick a book over 400 pages because frankly, I'm terrified of the commitment. So it probably isn't super surprising to hear that I love short stories and essays. They're kind of a cheat for me. So today, Charday and I are going to be talking about essays that deal with Black vulnerability. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I had a ton of fun talking with Charday. All right. So I am here with Charday from Loyalty Bookstore in Washington, D.C. Would you like to briefly introduce yourself? Charday, I am 24. I am a writer, a bookseller. I am just so excited to be here today and talk to you all about some of my favorite books. I didn't know you write as well. What kind of writing do you do? So I'm journalism. I've been doing music journalism. I work for this like DMV magazine called Nunair. And we do like music, entertainment, culture stories around DMV artists. That's very cool. What was the name again? Nunair? Nunar for like new narrative. So it's like a play for like new I see. Cool. I'll look into that. N-U-N-A-R. Ah, I see. So you work for Loyalty Bookstore in Washington, D.C. Could you tell me a little bit about what you do there and how long you've been there? Yes. So I've been there since last August, August 2021. And I am a bookseller, but also I work on the social media team. I run the TikTok and create content for that. I also work the events team and help just like with fun Instagram posts. I try to do our story a lot of telling people like what books are out today, fun reviews, just try to do like fun content that gets like the book world excited. It does. I follow you guys and I'm always excited to see what you recommend, what's new on your shelves. So it's also fun to find out that you're behind. Since you've been working at Loyalty, has your relationship with reading changed at all? Absolutely. So that's actually the reason that I started there because I really wanted to get back into reading when I was younger. I loved to read and I think just getting older and being more involved with friends and social life, just not putting reading as a priority. So during the pandemic, I was like, I really, really want to work for a bookstore specifically Black-owned. And I just started like emailing ones 
in the DMV and Hannah got back to me. And after that, I just fell in love. My room is like filled with books. It's like really scary. I really need to get a bookshelf. But when I look at how my room was before I started working at the bookstore, it was completely different as far as my book ratio. So it's changed your life, not just your reading. Oh, absolutely. Changed my room. Yeah, that's really cool because I actually, that resonates with my relationship with reading a lot. I was a huge reader growing up and then somewhere around college, I started having less mental bandwidth to commit to reading. And then when I graduated and started working full time, I was like, I miss reading, but by the end of the day, I'm tired. So the, the inspiration for this podcast was kind of like, how do we rebuild that relationship? What are some of your favorite genres to read? I'm going to say romance, romance, romance are the first one. Romance, I love YA. I fell in love with YA because I just think that's where it starts. Yes, it absolutely starts like a kid chapter book, but something about YA making that choice on your own and not being about school, it being like, this free realm, why growing so much in the subject matter that it talks about and bringing important subject matters early on, I think is important. Circling back to romance, because I have always loved romance as far as movies. Anybody can tell you I love the idea of love and love is what fuels me. So finding that in books and sometimes it being fluff, sometimes it being deeper, that really just gives me this butterfly sensation. I feel like that's always the books that I'm hand selling and bragging about. That's really fun. I really recently started reading romance for the first time because I think I kind of had a complex for a long time about not wanting to read something that was fluff like you said and then I found that like well that is a lot harder to motivate sometimes to get into something really heavy and I do like reading some heavier books too, but I think yeah. balance is is healthy for a good reading diet. It is. <laughs> it is. So I'm curious, what are some of your favorite romance writers? Okay, so Seven Days in June is definitely not only my favorite romance, but my favorite book by Tia Williams, because that book opened up a world of seeing and reading about Black people and how they can be in love and it be in this positive way. And then not only taking the matters of romance, but mental health, disabilities, it's just this open subject matter. And I just find myself always being drawn to it when I talk about it, the excitement, because that's what it's really all about for reading, how you feel when you're done with the book and when it resonates with you months, years later, and you still feel that amazing feeling, just the story. And Tia Williams does that so great bringing this second love story of this couple that was in love for a week in June when they were 17 and then it being 20 years later and they've been writing to each other secretly throughout their books and having this second chance at love. Oh, it just does something to me every single time. Honey and Spice is another one that was like, I felt like the college version. I find myself giddy about that book. I find myself still thinking about these characters. And again, that's what it's about. Just 
loving the story and wanting to tell people the story. That's definitely like my top two favorite romances. I will definitely add both those to my list. (laughs) Yeah, I think romance gets an unfair rap too, because at the end of the day, it's just fiction. And I think even I had this idea going into it, like, oh, it's not going to be well written, but that's not necessarily the case. And I think it's fun. It is definitely segueing from romance specifically do you have a favorite book or any book that you read recently that really stood out to you so today is actually the pub day so it's blood marks by tracy dion and this is a ya speculative fiction and it is a sequel to legend born and it's about the 16 year old named brie i think i want to explain legend born because i'm afraid i'll give away too much of blood marks but a 16-year-old named Bree who goes to this two-year early program at UNC, and she discovers this society, and they are called Legendborns. Her mother also has passed away a few months before, and she realizes that something about her mom's death is not right, and she connects that with a society group and learns about these legendborns and these shadow kings. And it actually has a lot to do with King Arthur, which I wasn't familiar with, but bringing Black people into this world of literature that was not really accessible for us. And I think of it as a love letter to Black girls that we can be in these magical realms and seeing that. I am obsessed, you all. If you have not read the first one, please pick it up. But today is the second book, The Pub Day, and I will be bragging and talking about it all day when I go to work. That's so fun. I had forgotten the title, but a friend of mine was actually telling me about Mm -hmm. Legion Born. So I don't know if she knows that there's a second one coming, but also bumps that up on my to-read list. Oh my gosh, yes. You will not regret it. It has literally one of the best books I've ever read. Oh, big praise. (laughs) Yes. So would you call yourself a slow reader? Do you identify with that? I think I'm more of a seasonal reader. It really Mm. depends. I have slow seasons. So what I've learned being a bookseller is we all go through our slumps and our slow seasons and taking our time with the pages, sometimes maybe only reading like five pages, 10 pages a day. I definitely have my seasons, my time of the year. And then there's times where I am speed reading because also the fact that I am a bookseller. So I'm trying to read these books so that I can recommend them before they come out. I think in some ways we all are slow readers because we all have slow seasons. That's beautiful. I've never heard that seasonal reader, but that actually fits with me too, I think. I'm not... A super fast reader, even when I'm on, I just get really lost in the book. But I definitely go through phases where I'm like, wow, I've read so many books this month. And then other times where I'm like, I haven't read a book in months. Exactly. It happens. It happens. But the books aren't going anywhere. That's the beautiful thing. They're not going anywhere. They're going to be waiting for you. It's still going to be the same story. I think that's better in taking in everything than as long as you retain everything, that's what I always say, but just, we feel like we have to like speed through books. And if that's the way that you read, that's absolutely great. As long as like you're retaining the story, but sometimes it's really about feeling the characters, getting to know the characters. Sometimes it's just about, you don't want the book to end. And, you know, we have 
live sometimes you got to go out there and sometimes you just want to watch a movie or like hang out with your friends I just think the beautiful thing about books is that they're never going anywhere definitely I think I definitely can be a little bit of a completionist and so sometimes I start a book and I'm like oh I want to finish it and then it becomes kind of a chore so it's nice to take that out of it yeah I've been trying not to even look at how many pages are in the book before I start so that I'm not thinking oh I'm like 50% done 75% done I feel so soon right now I'm trying to get out of the habit to see how many pages are in a book because I'll be like oh 350 okay I only have 100 pages I might as well finish it today exactly yeah it's so hard not to it is do you have any tips on how to get out of a rut The number one thing that I would say, romance, reading, make it romantic, like putting it in your calendar, like, hey, this Friday, instead of like Netflix, I'm going to like read a book, light a candle, get your favorite blanket, snug in a chair, grab your pen. Sometimes it's about going back and rereading your favorite book. Sometimes it's about listening to an audio book and reading along. I think that that's another great thing. I've heard a lot of people when they get in their ruts that they go to audiobooks and it kind of gets them out that funk, but also like not putting too much pressure in it. Sometimes you just kind of have to go through the reading slump and just be like, okay, this is temporary. It's not going to be forever. We all go through them. Don't be too hard about it. The fact that it's been a few weeks and you haven't read a book. It's not like a school assignment where it's due a certain day it's on your pace totally we're not in school anymore it's supposed to be fun I also love this idea of a date with a book yeah oh my gosh yes when I reached out to you about the episode you said you wanted to specifically talk about essays that deal with black vulnerability and how it's shaped black people as a whole Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask why this topic was the one you chose for the episode actually one of the books that I recommended you are your best thing by Tarana Burke and Brene Brown is the reason because when I read that book last year, I felt so seen. I loved the fact that they gathered Black writers into a space to be open and talk about grief, shame, just dealing with the ins and outs. And finishing that book, it changed me and opened up conversation with my family and friends and just us being more open about how we feel and when we're feeling, especially the double pandemic that we have gotten hit with. I think sometimes we like to hide our feelings. And I think that hearing that, I wanted that to be heard on a podcast and to be talked about so that we can normalize it. So as much as I can talk about it, I definitely want to make that an open space everywhere and anywhere that I am at. Awesome. It's great that you mention your best thing specifically mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that is the first book on your list and also the only one that I was able to read before yeah. our meeting. Yeah. So that's very exciting. And I think yes. of the four essay collections you mm-hmm. you sent me, this mm-hmm. one is a good entry point because it's an anthology and it takes on a lot of different topics. So full disclosure, before we get into the meat of our episode, I haven't read all of the collections, but I did read this one and I am so excited to read the rest. They're all on my Goodreads to read shelf. So I'll be 
working my way through them. This first book that you just hinted at, could you tell us a little bit about it? Give a brief outline. Absolutely. So it's an anthology by Toronto Burke and Brene Brown. And Brene Brown is already experienced in talking about vulnerability and resistance and resilience. And so they wanted to gather Black writers to do essays about a time of vulnerability. It actually starts with Jason Reynolds and a phone call to his mom. And I loved that essay from the beginning. And then it carries on throughout talking about grief, talking about resistance, talking about opening up with feelings, talking about relationships with their parents, children, and just seeing that point of view from different writers that also made me fall in love with essays, seeing that you can have all your favorite writers in one book and that they all be talking about an overall subject matter in different ways. I fell in love with that. That is my holiday pick that will always be stacked at loyalty. I just think that is a book for Black people, but as Brene Brown brought into it, it's for everybody, for everybody to have a conversation about vulnerability. We all have a right to talk about our feelings. When I saw Brene Brown's name, I hear her name constantly in this context of vulnerability and social justice and I actually don't know much about her. So if you can, could you give me some context? Where does everyone know her from? Is it her podcast? I know that she is a writer first. She actually had a book recently, Atlas of Heart. And then she is a speaker. I actually had got introduced because I was more interested in Toronto Burke when I actually first saw the book because Brene Brown is a white woman. I was like, okay. And she speaks about this in the book. Okay. So they have this book about black vulnerability, but it's edited by her. And she speaks about having this idea and wanting Brene Brown to join in. She wanted her to be as much as involved because of her expertise with vulnerability. I believe she also, Brene Brown has a TED talk. So that would be a good place to start. But just opening up how we all as humans deserve to express ourselves, deserve to feel and to let people know and to communicate as we feel. Reading it through, she was very essential to the book and that I'm grateful for her help, her editing, and also giving Toronto Burks the space to be like, but this is your book. This is you. You're the moment. And I appreciate that. So on the flip side, we have Toronto Burke mm. as the other co-creator. Do you also have some context about her? Oh, Toronto Burke's the Me Too movement is the number one thing that I think of when I think of her because she was a huge part of that movement, a huge face of that movement. Also, just with rights, I knew her name from rights, activism rights, speaking, motivation, and then seeing her on this book. I also, I knew she had her book, Unbound Me. I hope I'm getting the title correct. And then seeing the title of this book, You Are Your Best Thing. And I was like, okay, really feeling like I knew her by the end of the book and the type of person that she is and that she gives others space to express who they are. I think that's the most 
beautiful thing that she had this idea and now it is impactful to me and impactful to other people. I really liked their introduction into the book where they're kind of talking about how they develop the idea. And like you mentioned, they're talking about what each of them bring to it. And I think that really shows through all the the essays was a really cool collaboration. Yeah, it was. Reading, it was always really exciting. I didn't look too much into what the individual essays were or Mm -hmm. who the contributors were before. Mm -hmm. So it was always kind of a surprise, like who's up next? What's it going to be about? And there's some really big names and some really Mm -hmm. interesting projects like Jason Reynolds that you mentioned. And I, that was such a strong essay to start with. Yeah. And then you also have Laverne Cox, which is really interesting. I didn't expect that. I was wondering if there's a favorite essay in the collection. Oh, it's hard. Yeah. I, I, okay. They are all amazing. One of them for me would be honoring our stories, transforming our pain by Duran Young. And she talks about the death of her mother and filling that void with a man not really grieving her mother. And I just thought that was, I was highlighting, annotating, because grief, it's, it's just such a wild roller coaster. It's not linear. And I think really realizing of her seeing that she was trying to replace one type of love or what she thought was love for her mom was really beautiful. It was so well-written, but also just the relationship that she had with her therapist and seeing that. I loved hearing her therapist's point of view. So that would probably have to be my favorite. Yeah, I really liked that one as well. I don't know if this came from that essay. I think it came from another Mm -hmm. one. But at some point, they said something to the effect of, in the U.S., we have little to no tolerance for pain. And Mm -hmm. that just kind of, like with all of these essays that dealt with grief or also vulnerability in general, I was like, yeah, like stuffing it down, Mm -hmm. filling the void. Exactly. So do you have any other reasons on why we should read this book in particular? I think that it is what reading is about and just a conversation starter. I think that everyone can resonate to some type of essay in the book and that if it's not us that we know somebody that is and I think once we normalize talking about our feelings and talking about grief and talking about shame, that it's not so shameful. It's not such a bad thing. Like I said, it's my holiday picks, and it's just something that's always going to be at the top of my list because I think it's always going to be relevant. And I think that's something really powerful about this format in general, essays and memoirs. I, no matter who's writing I'm reading, I always feel like there's something that's like, oh, wow, other people feel that way too. And it kind Mm -hmm. of validates some of those uglier feelings that you don't necessarily want to talk about and makes you feel more comfortable. Like, oh, it's not just me. Exactly. Yep. 
Next on our list, I have Nobody Knows the Trouble I've Seen. Would you like to tell us about this one? Yes. So this one is dealing with different stories, different subject matters from healing to intimacy with Black women. And this book had me feeling all the feels. I think the whole book is highlighted. I just remember being on the bus and feeling every essay from the child's birth. I think that's like the number one one that pops in my head because it was my first time seeing statistics on Black women and childbirth and the trauma that it has on them emotionally, physically, mentally. And at the time, my sister, my younger sister was actually pregnant. And so I just felt like this book really hit home in being excited about her being pregnant, but also just everything that's been happening in the medical field, being a little fearful. This was my first time like crying at a book and really just feeling it to my core, but also laughing and smiling at some of the subject matter because it talks about just the emotional lives of Black women. I believe this book was categorized as self-help when I was looking Mm -hmm. it up which I thought was very interesting. And on the website, the little blurb at the top mm-hmm. says that it's a roadmap to help Black women find a healthy balance between strength and vulnerability. So yeah. I was wondering, is this a book that you would recommend to anybody regardless of whether they identify as a Black woman? Or mm-hmm. do you think it really like is for this one audience? And why? So I think it's, a little bit of both. I think two things can be true at the same time. I think that it is a love letter and a a sisterhood in and for Black women, but I also think that it's important to open up the conversation of seeing and hearing our stories and everybody seeing and hearing our stories. I think that it's is a subject matter that everybody can take in and just see what we go through. I think sometimes us saying things out loud doesn't always resonate with everybody. Our stories don't always grasp with everybody and there's a power in reading it and maybe reading it in your voice and hearing and really seeing wow, statistics, oh, so this is true. What they're saying is true. Sometimes people need to see that. So definitely for us, but I think that it's important that everyone reads it so that we all have something to talk about. And so it's important subject matter, yeah, for a wider audience as well. Yeah, I definitely think that there's still value to be gained from a lot of books if you're not the target audience. Exactly, absolutely. This is a little bit of a more personal question, but was Mm -hmm. there any advice that you gleaned from the book that you incorporated into your life? Yeah. Okay. I knew that I wrote it down. The number one thing that I saw was the relationship baggage section. And it was saying, when you're single, claim your time, pour it into yourself and develop your own interests. That was really important to me as somebody that's 
in their 20s. And like I said previously, that loves love and making sure that while I am single, that I'm taking the time to pour into myself to really love the person that I am so that when it's my time that I can share that love with somebody else. I was like, okay, I need to get this plastered on a wall somewhere. Just a really important reminder for everyone to really pour into yourself and getting to know yourself while you are single. Because when it's that time to share with somebody, you want to be able to brag about yourself and be able to really realize why you are amazing, why you're a 10 out of 10. <laughs> I love that. I think I think you really hit the nail on the head. So much of being single seems to be like for a lot of people trying to get out of being single. And I think there's yeah. something important about being intentionally single and like yeah. using that time to get to know yourself. Oh yeah, all the way. It's the best time. There's time to fall in love. There's so much time to fall in love. It's never going to be 100% right if you're not in love with yourself. Totally. So up next, we have Sometimes I Trip on How Happy We Could Be by Nicole Perkins. So can you tell us a bit about this one? Yes. So Nicole Perkins talks about her journey with love, with the first crushes, with the heartbreaks, with loving yourself. I thought more than anything that this was a love letter to herself and reflecting on her journey about what it is to give and to receive love and what that looks like in all aspects. I laughed, like I smiled. I felt like I really knew Nicole Perkins. She has this great way of just making you feel sucked in and like you are her best friend and you're just like girl what are you doing but also like girl that is me I absolutely adore this book do you have any highlights from the book a particular essay or moment so I think the number one thing for me would be the chapter actually HBCUs taught me and it's a different aspect as soon as I saw HBCUs I was like drawn I was like okay what is she gonna say but that one, just talking about the overallness of HBCUs, the overall of her love for HBCUs, I think was important. I felt drawn. I think it was a little bit of a different subject matter. And that's why I said like in all aspects of love, it wasn't just like romance, but also the beginning from like page one of her introduction, I was like, I love this woman because I love reading authors where I feel like it's a conversation and they're talking with me and not at. And Nicole Perkins does this great job of feeling like she's holding your hand throughout the beginning, middle, and end of the story. I love that too. One aspect of getting out of a reading rut to me is just finding something that's smooth and easy to read. So I love authors that can just make me feel like I'm chatting with them, sitting across the table from them. Yes, definitely. Do you have anything you'd like to add to your pitch on why we should read this one? Just if you want to laugh. I think the the title always got me. Like I always was staring at this book. I've been staring at this book for a while. And the sometimes I trip on how happy we could be. 
I just think the title alone, you will realize just how we all are connected with love and how we see love and just the fun, like first crushes and like who you thought was going to be like the ideal person who actually is the person you're with. Be ready to laugh and grab your highlighters and your coffee and just have a good time. I love essays and memoirs that revisit these kind of in retrospect not important moments but at the time they feel really big exactly yeah yeah, a lot of times it is really funny (laughs) yeah I love a book that can actually like genuinely make you laugh out loud yeah that's rare and I think funny books are really underrated yeah oh absolutely it's hard to like make somebody laugh through writing you're not telling them a joke to their face it's a skill yeah All right, so we have made it to the end of our list. We have one more book, Three Black Girls. And I would love to hear your pitch on why we should read it and what it's about. Yeah, so Carefree Black Girls, I read that a few months ago and I remember texting my coworker after the introduction and I was like, I love this woman. So she talks about, she's a culture critic and she talks about everything from Cardi B being black and that question and to bodies and how we are viewed and how this book saved her. It actually started off with a hashtag that she had created and then it became this viral hashtag carefree black girls And I remember being in the midst of that on social media and not knowing that was her. So when I read the book, I was like, this is a celebration of Black women. This is a celebration of pop culture. And it helped me realize getting out of school and graduating with journalism, not knowing what I wanted to talk about, being like, I want to be like Ziba Blay. And I want to talk about culture and Black women and how the two are together and how it fuels her. She talks about her mental health journey and how she was at a really, really, really low point before this book. Everything that she's saying, I was like, I feel seen. I feel heard. And this is what I want to write about for the rest of my life. And after that, I've been obsessed. If you don't follow her on Instagram, she does the best mood boards. And she is just a great, amazing time. I can't wait to see what the future holds for her. Wow, I'm impressed. That's very cool. I saw that she was a culture critic or is a culture mm-hmm. critic at HuffPost. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that that plays into how she put together this collection of essays. I think mm-hmm. the premise is very fun that it's yeah. like a group of biographical portraits of different yeah. important influential Black women in mm-hmm. U.S. history and culture. I was wondering if there were any in particular that shocked you or Mm. stuck with you for some reason. Yeah, I definitely think the bodies chapter stuck with me because the talk, she talks about Lizzo, the attention, positive and negative that Lizzo gets just for being Lizzo and how her body is always the topic of conversation, but also giving validation to everyone's bodies and how everyone looks different. And what's 
always seen on the outside is not always how everybody's feeling on the inside. I thought that was a beautiful way and it was a great way to start off the book. That really resonated with me. I'm going to say free of cares, ending the book with that because the whole thing is about being carefree Black girl and what does that mean and how that started for her and how that was such a crucial time in her life, but also being free of cares and as a Black woman just being like free in this world and having endless opportunities and possibilities to do what we want when we want to do it. I love that. And just by that one book, it's so crazy how she ended up becoming one of my favorite authors, one of my favorite people. And I think that's the beauty of reading, not only taking away the stories, whether they're fiction or nonfiction, but falling in love with the authors as well. Totally. It's a perfect example of how a book can change your life. Oh yeah, all the way. It's a really good note to end on. I'm glad that this is such a strong recommendation. Last on the list. Yes. So before we wrap up, I want to give you a chance to add anything that you feel like you should say. And if you have any project or social media handles, anything, definitely mention that. And I also wanted to thank you so much for coming and bringing your expertise on a topic that I'm definitely not an expert in. So I really appreciate getting a curated reading list on Black vulnerability and I've learned a lot. I'm going to learn a lot. Thank you. Thank you, Savannah, first of all, for having me, for allowing me to talk, to be comfortable, to talk to you. So I actually just created a bookstagram and it's called Pages with Char, and that's two R's. And I am still running TikTok's loyalty. So definitely loyalty bookstores, make sure to follow us so that you can see all the fun TikTok stuff. And just visiting me, I love talking to customers. It's my favorite thing when the store is actually busy, you guys. Please come bring your family. I think that I am just so lucky and grateful to be working at a place that is one of the most secret places in the world and to be able to discuss and style books and the fact that I work for a bookstore that is black owned and queer owned and giving spaces to everyone from children to adults. We need books. Books literally are the center of the world. And I just want everyone to know that as long as you're reading, you are already on the right path. Don't put too much pressure on it. Just enjoy the journey. Enjoy the story. There's nothing like reading a book for the first time. And so continue to just love words and love stories. Beautifully said. Thank you so much for joining us today, Charday. And you're welcome back anytime you want to talk books. Thank you so much, Savannah. Thank you for having me. I'm Savannah Beck, and that's all for this episode of Slow Burn, Books for Slow Readers. Special thanks to Charday Powell for chatting with me today and Zite for letting us use his song, Daisy EDM Instrumental. Keep reading and see you next time. Bye.